Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. chapter 11 and verse number 7 and I'm thankful that we're able to be in church tonight amen we have a lot of lot of people uh, north of here that are not able to be in service this evening and uh, what we consider a hard freeze well (laughs) just another day in the park for them but we're glad to be here in the house of the Lord amen would you just let the word of God find a place in your heart here this evening I have no idea what you may have gone through to be here, but we're here. That's what matters. The book of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 7. By faith Noah, being warned of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. And tonight I want to... With the help of the Lord, I want to speak about a prepared place. There's something uh, to be said about a prepared place. Amen. You can be seated, and uh, I will begin by saying that for uh, for 30 years that I know of, <laughs> I have been very conscientious to at least try to make sure that when people show up here for church on service days or nights, that they don't find the doors locked and the lights out. Amen. And um, we don't want to be here at 725 trying to find the keys of the building, unlock the door. And you either walk into a hot building in the summer or a cold building in the winter But we want to make sure that when people walk in, and I mean whether that's guests or people that have been here for decades, I want them to walk into a prepared place. Amen. A prepared place. I believe that speaks volumes. And uh, to people around us, I think it should speak volumes to us to understand the value of something being ready. Some people don't have the concept of what it means to be prepared. And uh, I, I'm not slinging stones at all, but a few years ago, my wife and I were going to a family gathering, and I won't say which side. I'll leave that for you. It doesn't matter. And uh, we were meeting at a certain time and at a certain place, and there were a lot of moving parts to this evening. And and uh, so the figured out what the menu was going to be, and we were driving into this event several hours. And... Uh, when we got there, when it was supposed to be prepared, prepared in our minds was that we were going to walk in, sit down, and eat and get the events of the evening going. Prepared in their minds was it was all bought at the grocery store, and it was all on the counter in the bags, and it was ready to begin cooking. <laughs> and uh, 
I'm thankful for a prepared place, aren't you? A prepared place. And so we're not trying to find the utensils this evening, but we're here in the house of the Lord. The Bible says of this man, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, but he began to prepare. He moved with fear, and he prepared an ark to the saving of his house. The story of Noah and the ark is probably... Uh, certainly, I think, would fall in the categories of one of the most familiar stories in all the Word of God. If you were fortunate enough to be raised uh, in, in any proximity to the church, uh, to a church, or have any kind of church background, chances are exponentially high that a Sunday school teacher or a youth worker or somewhere, someone somewhere along the way brought to you the story of Noah and the ark. And... Um, I've heard many, many renditions of Noah and the Ark. I've heard that in the category of youth and children's ministry. I've heard it preached in conferences and camp meetings. And so I think from every side of the spectrum and all points in between, we have had people almost with a paintbrush in their hand portray the story of Noah and the Ark, sometimes in dramatic fashion, the building of the Ark and the flooding of the earth. But... uh, No matter how we view the story, I think what we must not ever fail to view is the story in context. And uh, the story of Noah and the ark and the salvation of of his family and the, the, uh, the, the, the word just popped right out of my mind, but uh, the, the ability for the, the animals to continue on. Uh, for there to be a future for them is a wonderful story of redemption. But when we consider the time of Noah, the time of Noah was a very dark and dismal time on earth. As a matter of fact, when you think about the beginning of this chapter uh, down uh, in the book of Genesis, uh, down through uh, some of the very beginning verses, we find that the Lord had become so disenchanted with the things that were going on in the hearts of mankind and the things that man had allowed themselves to get involved in. And I want us to consider some of that. The Bible says in Genesis 6 and verse number 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was on evil continually. Now, I'm reading from Genesis 6 and not USA Today, so please don't get confused. But it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. It sounds much like the day that we're living in, doesn't it? And, and uh, the, the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made him. What a sad story we find through verse number seven. But verse number eight thankfully says, but Noah found grace or Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And, and, and the, then beginning at verse 19 through 22, we have the account of Noah. I'm not going to read all of that, but it begins with an in-depth look at his life, and uh, it looks at his family, and then it transitioned to uh, a very detailed plan that God had to spare Noah and his family, and I believe anybody that would have heeded the words of Noah. And we've heard it many times, but the, the plan that God laid out before him was not random in any way whatsoever because God revealed to him exactly 
what to do. He told him what kind of wood to use, the dimensions of the ark, how long, how tall, how wide, and how many floors. And, and, uh, and so Noah was getting all these instructions from the Lord, and then he moved upon that. He moved, the Bible says. He needed a place prepared in order for his spirit to move. Now, this was certainly no small task. You've heard it said, I believe, just a few services ago, even Brother Williams, uh, as recent as not many services ago, said something about the 100-year mark, certainly in that range, uh, certainly in that range, and that Noah uh, was working diligently for the things that God was promising him. Now, here was two, two things to consider, and that is that Noah needed a move of God, and God needed somewhere to move. Amen. And so they needed a prepared place for that to happen. So we know from Scripture that Noah obediently prepared that place. And when he did, God only not only moved for him, but he moved for his family. And that the Lord also moved on the animals. I'm not trying to insult anybody's intelligence with such a familiar story, but it, it can't be lost to us that the very nature of these animals had to be moved upon. Amen. Something had to speak to their heart, and there had to be an obedience, so to speak, in their heart and in their life. No other way to explain what is taking place by wild animals that are marching on to this ark. Everything about their nature had to submit to this call of God. Some of these animals, of course, by their very nature and design, were enemies. They were arch enemies, but they all boarded the same vessel at the same time. And so that can't be lost to us. And so when, when, uh, when we talk about the Lord wanting or us desiring for the Lord to do something in our life, whether we are asking the Lord to, to move in our life personally or whether we are asking the Lord to move in our family or whether we are asking the Lord to move in our church, I believe that we have to understand that God is not just going to randomly arbitrarily move, but God is going to look for some level of preparation. Amen. Some people may consider themselves ready, but they're not dressed. There has to be a level of preparedness. There has to be something about us that exhibits an, uh, the idea or, or the desire that there's a, a, a preparation in place. And so when we begin to prepare a place for God to move, I don't believe that God just moves for us, but I believe God moves for others. And I hope before we're done tonight that we can show you that in Scripture, that God is not just going to move on our behalf, but when we take the time to prepare a place for God, that God is going to touch the hearts of those who had no hand in that moment of preparation. Amen. And so uh, I, I'm thankful for that. We may or may not, uh, for instance, have had a part uh, of building this, abs this literal building that we're in tonight. But someone did. And because they thought ahead to prepare a place for us, some that never touched one brick or one pound of mortar or some that never dug one inch of a footer are benefactors of that because somebody thought to prepare that. Amen. And so I'm glad that we are here tonight. I'm glad that we have a place to meet with God. And some may have asked Noah if what you're doing is necessary. Should it be this tall? Should it be this wide? Should it be this long? 
do you really need three floors? I mean, you know, somebody, is that where the windows should be? Is that really the size of the door? And I'm sure there was room for all of these questions, and, and some of them could have been legitimate questions at that moment in that time. However, the Bible says that Noah was warned of God about things not seen as yet. There's something coming. And the scripture says that he moved with fear. He moved with fear. He moved with religious reverence. He moved at the very voice of God that spoke. This was not a man cowering in fear as we may deem fear, but this was a man moved in reverence to the voice of God. I would agree that sometimes what we do would not make any sense to the outside observer. What we say or what we are declaring may not make any sense to those that are just standing on the sidelines listening, but if we have heard from the Lord, we should move with fear and prepare what God has placed in our heart. In other words, Noah was moving like a man on a mission. He was, he was moving like a man that was going somewhere, moving with purpose. I'm sure you've been able to see people that were moving with no purpose and some people that were moving with purpose, and there is a distinct difference between the two. Amen. Noah understood something that, that we must get a hold of individually and collectively, and that, that is, there is, there is just something to be said about Preparation. There's just something to be said about being ready for a move of the Lord. Amen. I said a moment ago in my opening comments that we weren't thinking about this evening service just a couple of hours ago. But I will declare to you that when this service ended, when, a, when the service Sunday ended in this building, the lights weren't out very long. The place, the building wasn't locked very long before Sunday school teachers were already thinking about next Sunday, before others were thinking about what's necessary for this evening's service. Amen. We've been thinking about this since the very moment that we walked away from this building. Why? Because no matter how dynamic Sunday service was, no matter how powerfully the Lord moved, we are going to need another move of God. And if we're going to need another move of God, then we must prepare a place for God to move. Amen. And so uh, Noah was not the first, and certainly Noah was not the last person that ever moved with a mission or moved with a purpose that that would initiate the hand of God in their lives. Now, I don't intend to try to go from Genesis to Revelation this evening, but I want to talk to you a little bit about those that had prepared a place for the Lord. The Bible says in Exodus 15 and 2 that the Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God. And, and Moses said, and I will prepare him an habitation. My father's God, I will exalt him. Possibly Moses at even this moment in time was referring to the building or a desire to build a place, a tabernacle for God. Amen. He recognized that if God is going to move, then God needs a place for that to happen. God, if God is going to change a life, he needs a life to change. If God's going to change a home, he needs a home to change. Amen. If God's going to change a family, he needs a family there to work on. He needed a place for that to happen. 
And so where, where is it that Moses would have said so long before a tabernacle was ever built? Where would Moses have learned this powerful principle? I believe that Moses learned this principle at the hands of his dear and precious mother. Moses had a mother that taught him a powerful principle. If you want God to move, you need to prepare a place for him to move. It was something that his mother would do long before before Moses would ever be called a leader, long before man would ever follow him or before she, he could ever desire and in his heart to build a place for God, she taught him something. In Exodus 2 and 1, the Bible said, there went a man of the house of Levi and took a wife, a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was good, a goodly child, she hid him three months. In verse 3, what a powerful opening line. And when she could no longer hide him. When she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes, daubed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein. And she laid him in the flags by the river's brink. Here is again one more familiar story. Because of the decree of a twisted ruler, here was a young man and all young men that had a death sentence upon their life. Realizing the need for a move of God in her son's life, in her family, in her own life. This mother said, I've got to prepare another ark, if you please, for the saving of my son. Amen. Because she understood one principle, that God moves in prepared places. I understand that we don't always have the privilege to just come to the house of God an hour early and just kneel down at an altar and prepare our hearts perhaps as we should or even as we would like. But I want to tell you, I know there is a difference between thinking about church before you get here and thinking about church 15 minutes after you've been in the building. I say, Lord, help me to walk into this house with a preparedness in my mind. David said we ought to enter in with praise and we ought to enter in with thanksgiving. Nowhere are we to wait till we get here and wait to decide who's going to be doing what and who's going to be doing this before we figure out if we're going to get on board. I don't want somebody to have to encourage me or pep rally me to some point of response, but God is worthy and I want my mind and my heart. I got to be thinking about this. I got to think on those things. She understood God moves in prepared places. Now, I'm not referring to just literal places that it takes for God to move, but because obviously God has been moving since Genesis 1. He moved uh, later on in the life of the children of Israel as a cloud by day, and he moved as fire by night. And he led the children of Israel in their wilderness journey. So I'm not just talking about a literal building of things of that nature, but I think that certainly ties into my overall thought tonight. All throughout the Word of God, we find people that were preparing a place for God to move. I, I, I know our Bibles are full, and they're running over with examples, but 1 Kings 18 speaks of another time when the Lord spoke to his man, Elijah. On that hour, Elijah stepped to the top of Mount Carmel and he challenged 450 prophets of Baal. Yet, it was the events of verse 30 that caused this simple hilltop 
to become a special place, a forever place in our heart and mind. Because it was here that Elijah said, I'm going to prepare a place for God to move. Not, oh, God, move in some random general way. Not, oh, God, move. But, but Elijah said, I'm going to build a specific place. We're going to build an altar. And it's here that we're going to call on the name of the Lord. And we're going to direct the power of God and the authority of God. And in this instance, the fire of God. We are going to direct that in a specific place. I'm going to tell you that I want I want every day for the Spirit of God to move. I want Sundays every every church in America and around the world. I want the Lord to move. But I'm going to tell you, you call me selfish if you want to, but on Sunday morning I'm praying for the Lord to move at Hatchbin Apostolic Church. Amen. I want to be like Elijah on Mount Carmel. I want you to move today, Lord, but I'm not just talking about winds that blow random and without direction, but we have prepared you a place and we have prepared our hearts and we have prepared our minds. I have mentioned it often. Amen. I know there are more than just a a handful, but I'm thankful for the voices that I hear on Sunday mornings that are going into the classrooms before teachers or students have even arrived and they're praying over that room and they're praying over the teachers that haven't even arrived. They're praying over the students that haven't even arrived and they're praying, Lord, I want you to touch this house. I want you to touch the minds of the teachers, touch the heart of the students. You know what they're doing? They're in there preparing a place. The walls are already there. The ceiling is already there. The paint is on the wall. The decor is there. The carpet is on the floor. The heat is on or the air is on. Amen. There is a building prepared and so now that we got that out of the way, somebody is on their knees or they're walking around that room and they're praying what? God, we want you to have a prepared place. A place that you can move in this house. I'm thankful for those that are in an altar before service begins here. I'm thankful for those that have prayed in your house before 10 o'clock. Amen. Or 7 30 on Wednesday. Why? Because we are building an altar and we're saying, Lord, move. And if the Lord says where, we can say right here. Amen. We have prepared you a place. <coughs> we have prepared you a place. Not only did the Lord come down and consume the sacrifice, but he certainly proved to the prophets of Baal who was God. In the book of Malachi chapter uh, 3 in verses 1 through 3, I'll turn your attention there for a moment. The Bible says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. He shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Now Malachi 3 starts out with a very powerful, a very powerful prophecy. Verse number one, he said, my messenger Malachi was a, a minor prophet. It's what referred to as a minor prophet. But Malachi said, my messenger who will prepare the way before me. 
Malachi, with the anointing of God in his life, opened and parted his lips and prophesied about a man that we would come to know as John the Baptist. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Repent. There's one coming who's mightier than I. I mean, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I mean, it is just Jesus that he is referring to. I mean, the Lord, he said, whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Amen. And so now what is it that Jesus is going to do when he comes? He said he is going to be like a refiner's fire and he's going to be like a launderer's. If we were to use our terminology, he's going to be like a launderer's soap. Amen. It means that Jesus is going to come and when he comes, he's going to clean up and he's going to make a change in people's lives. He's not just going to walk in and walk through and pass by and it be as though he's never been in the house or in our life. I'm going to tell you that I have watched too many people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost to ever deny the change, the literal change that it makes on the countenance of a person's face and in their life. I've watched the way to sin. Many of you have watched the way to sin in a moment's time be lifted. Amen. It would just seem like the scars of yesterday's sins and the scars of yesterday's failures had been lifted and their countenance had been changed. Amen. Because God cannot move in our life and leave us unaffected. In the days of Malachi, the Israelites needed a lot of cleaning up. Amen. Apparently, the Israelites had grown comfortable. If you read down uh, around verse number five, the Israelites apparently had grown comfortable with sorcerers and they had grown comfortable with false witnesses and they had grown comfortable with a spirit of adultery. Amen. They had come accustomed to looking the other way when innocent people had been defrauded or when somebody had been robbed. They turned their heads when the widows were oppressed and when the fatherless was oppressed. And that's what Malachi or the Lord through Malachi is addressing he said there is going to be a, a, a prophet or there is going to be rather a Messiah there's going to be a God that is coming and he's going to take care of this amen they didn't fear the Lord but Jesus was going to come like a fire and he was going to burn the evil out of their hearts he was going to come and the Lord was going to clean things up but notice what else Jesus was going to do. The Bible says when he came, he shall sit as a refiner in verse number three. He shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Amen. That's how 400 years of silence was broken. God used the voice of what some deemed as a madman. Repent ye, repent ye. A man that was dressed odd. A man who had a very, very odd diet. Amen, but he used this man and he said there's one that's coming and you gotta prepare, you gotta repent, you gotta get ready. Amen, there's someone coming that's gonna change your life but you gotta do something ahead of time. You gotta prepare. Amen, I know that this is gonna have a familiar overtone for some but in Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 1 the Bible says in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand for this is that 
that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Here it is. Prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. I say, God, help us today to not just talk about change, but help us to be prepared for change. Let us be a, let us be a people that are busy about, amen, not just speak, speaking of things with our lips, but preparing our heart and our mind and our homes for a move of God. Amen, often people talk about revival as though it's something as random as the wind. But I will assure you of something, that if there is an organization, if there is a district, or if there is a local church, or if there is a family, or if there is a man or a woman, or a boy or girl that is experiencing a move of God in your house, there is nothing random about that. You are looking at someone that has prepared themselves for a move of God. You can rest assured of one, one thing. Amen. Somebody has been preparing their heart. Somebody has been preparing their mind. And somebody has been making a place. And somebody has been preparing a vessel for the anointing of the Lord to flow through. You can see people and we do see people that are mightily used of God. I want to assure you of something. God didn't just pluck them out of thin air and set them in a place they were not prepared for. God didn't just raise somebody up out of the mire and thrust them into an unfamiliar territory but God saw a hunger in a heart and he said I can move in a place where somebody will prepare for me. Somebody had been preparing for the move of God. When we think about this local church. Amen. I'm thankful for the various families that have served as the bedrock of our past. I'm very thankful and I've said that in recent days. Very, very thankful for those that were the bedrock of our past. But I am also thankful today to tell you that there are so those that are serving as the bedrock of our present. Amen. They are the bedrock of our right now. I'm glad for where we've been, but you see, we're not there. I'm glad for where the Lord has brought us, but you see we're not way back there we're here tonight in 2019 and I'm thankful that we're not standing on legs that are wavering and knees that are buckling I'm glad we're not standing on people that are wondering what are we going to preach when we get to the house of God or what are we going to desire when we get here amen I'm thankful for the bedrock of those that love this apostolic message amen the Lord our God is one Lord I'm thankful for the bedrock of today amen I'll tell you what a bedrock of today reminds me of and it assures me that there's going to be a bedrock of tomorrow. Amen. Children that love God. Young people that are used of God. I'm glad to see our youth that are engaging themselves. Amen. And not only the work of God in other places but the work of God right here under the under this roof. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord for the, for the present foundation that we have. But I also want to say thank you for the future foundation that we have. <clears throat> Even when the children of Israel were kept out of the promised land because of the doubt and the unbelief of some, I want you to think about we remember Joshua and Caleb who so courageously walked out in the midst of all of that doubt and said, we can, we can. They were outvoted. They were outnumbered. They were outgunned. They too were sentenced to 40 years of wandering. They too succumbed to the doubt and the unbelief of those around them. 
And so for 40 years, I think we need to understand that Joshua and Caleb were not on an island waiting for all this to play out. They were marching, walking, lost, wondering. Amen. (laughs) Canaan, from the very first mention of it in Genesis 11 and 12, was already referred to as a land that floweth with milk and honey. Amen. So Joshua and Caleb could have felt like that they were marching in place, spending irretrievable years, but that's just not how God works. And apparently, that's not really how Caleb at least felt. He voiced his opinion when it was all said and done. I am as able now (laughs) as I have ever been. God had somehow reserved and preserved his strength. Amen. Now Canaan, that land that was all of that 40 years before was now 40 years richer. 40 years more of homes. 40 years more of farms. 40 years more of rewards because God Amen. Was waiting on the spirit of doubt. And he was going to kill that out of the children of Israel. Amen. And God was allowing his blessings to increase. Can I tell you that when we prepare a place for God, we're never marching in time. We're never batting the air. But God is blessing on the backside. Amen. When we intentionally prepare a place for God to move. Amen. I pray that God, and I pray that God would help us to understand his hand is at work whether we see something in our, in our present or not. Amen. For the last several months specifically, I think we've been doing this for years, but for the last several months specifically, we have done a lot of focusing on preparation. We haven't just been talking about prayer, but we have systematically set some things in motion to create opportunities of prayer. We haven't just talked about fasting, but we've set aside time individually and corporately to do just that. You see, God only touched the Garden of Eden with a morning dew in the beginning because there was, the scripture says, there was no man to till the land. But when man was in his rightful place, then God could open the windows of heaven and then God could bless the earth with rain. Before I read the word of the Lord in the mornings, I first want to pray Because I want the word of God to have a prepared place. Amen. I want there to be seed that can find a prepared place in my heart, in my mind. Amen. I want the spirit of the Lord and the word of God to not just be something that I have an academic approach to. But I want the living nature of the word of God to be in my heart. And so I want to prepare a place for the Lord to move. I want to... close and our musicians you can just stay there if you would like but I want to bring this to a close with a thought from Genesis 24 and and here is a, a another familiar story but in Genesis 24 uh, it opens with um, Abraham calling a servant one of his servants a man by the name of Eleazar and he said I want you to go And I want you to seek out a bride for my son Isaac. And and we know that Isaac was the promised child. And there's so much that could be said about that. But 
He said, I want you to place my, your hand under my thigh, and that was a custom of a covenant. I make a covenant with me that you will, that you'll go and retrieve a wife for my son. So he sends him on this long journey to find a bride, and, and this servant makes a journey that was several hundred miles. This was not just the next little hammock over. And when he he arrives at the place where Abraham had sent him, when he arrives at that place, Eleazar prays a rather simple prayer. And it was a prayer of petition and it was a prayer of affirmation or confirmation. And he said, Lord, I I want you to, I'm going to go to the well. And when I get to the well, I want you to, the, the woman that is the right woman for Isaac, I want you to, Allow her to offer me water, but I also want you to allow allow her to offer to water my camels. Now, through the years, I have looked that up, and I just can't remember off the cuff, but how many gallons of water a camel can drink. But it's very intriguing to think that a pitcher at a time, this wasn't just turning on a faucet, but this was pulling water out of a well this was a great task that was set before her. And so Eleazar says, don't let her just offer water for me, but let her offer water for my camels. And so uh, that was a proposal. And, uh, and so then in time, a lady that we come to know as Rebecca, she does just that. She offers him water, Genesis 24. She offers him water, and then she offers to water the camels. And then verse 23 of Genesis 24, Eleazar asked two important questions. He says, whose daughter art thou? And then he says, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? Whose daughter are you? And is there room in your father's house? She said, I am the daughter of Bethuel. And then she said, we have both straw and and provender enough and room to lodge in. In verse 29, the scripture said that, that it was her brother, a man named Laban, that actually came and met them when they were arriving at the house. And so here's her brother Laban that comes. Now, history, even though Bethuel was her father, history teaches us that uh, from all indications that her father, Bethuel, was, had died at this point or was dead. And so it would naturally fall to the brother's responsibility to take care of the duties and responsibilities of the household. And so that's why the brothers were taking care of this. And so when he was apprised of what was coming on and what going on, he comes out, he sees the things that, that Eleazar has given Rebecca uh, as a token Uh, a promise for her future. I want us to notice his reply in Genesis 24 and 31. If you can put that scripture up. He said, come in, thou blessed of the Lord. Wherefore standest thou without? Why are you standing without? He said, for I have prepared the house and the room for the camels. Amen. Now, I believe that the brothers are just perpetuating what the father had already set in motion a prepared home, a prepared place. I thought it interesting that Eleazar would say, who is your father? 
And is there room enough to receive us? And she said, my dad is Bethuel, and there is provender, there is straw, and there is room. Amen. And so a brother says, when he says, can we come? The brother says, why would you stand without when we have prepared you a place? That father was preparing and setting up a situation (laughs) that he didn't even live to see. But he had no idea that his daughter and these brothers' sisters was about to enter the eternal pages of this blessed book we call the Bible. For her that day, it was just another trip to the well, a very ordinary day, a very ordinary task, but God had greater plans. Is there a place that we can go? He said, why are you standing out here? when we have a place for you to go. And it was in that prepared place that a very important conversation happened, a conversation between Rebecca and her family. Will you go with this man? There were a lot of uh, attempts, and I don't think to frustrate Eleazar or to frustrate the Lord, but, you know, why don't you just stay a little while? No, I'm, I'm on a mission. And finally they asked Rebecca, will thou go with this man? And the words that echo throughout all eternity, I will go. And where did all this take place? Where did this conversation take place? It took place in a prepared place. In a prepared place. Amen. It was a very ordinary day, seemingly. But God was going to do something extraordinary. Because he was going to move in a prepared home. I I don't. I don't really know how to say anything more. But I just feel that God is wanting us to stay ready to be prepared. To be prepared. I will will say things right now that you have heard echoed again and again and again and again. But there simply cannot be any such animal as an off night or an off service. There cannot be, we cannot afford to walk into the church, this church, one time and think this service is just a little bit less important than anything else that could ever transpire here. Eternal things are happening here. And so when the Lord moves, I want to be able to stand like Laban and say, why stand us outside? Amen. Come on in. There is more than enough room. There is a hungry heart. Amen. You're not going to walk in this house and find disinterested people and unconnected people, but you're going to find people with holy hands lifted in the air with a mind that's ready to be challenged, a heart that's ready to be changed. Amen. There's just something powerful about being prepared. I think a a motel chain you would probably remember... um, is it, what is it, Motel 6 that says, we'll leave the light on for you? Tom Bodette. That's, what, that's the name I was looking for, Tom Bodette. And we'll leave the light on for you. It became a catchphrase for a corporation. But you see, they were really trying to drive home a point. We're not going to try run in ahead, to run in ahead of you and clean the room. And, but when you get here, the light will be on. The light will be on. 
I called a pastor friend of mine today. I had someone call me this week and they were looking for a church and just felt like they needed a change in their life in another part of our state. And I had a, a friend, a great friend who pastors just about 20 minutes away from where they live. And so they have agreed to go there to church Sunday. And, and so I called him today and was talking to him about that. And, and uh, when I, I got ready to get off the phone, we were closing our conversation. He said, I, I appreciate your phone call, and I just want you to know that we'll have the red carpet ready Sunday. And so I just passed that message right along via text to the person I was talking to. The red carpet will be waiting on you Sunday. And that ought to perhaps be our mantra, that when you get here, we won't be trying to sweep around your feet. It'll be ready when you walk in. Amen. It'll be ready when you walk in. Let's stand together. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. <coughs> Let's pray tonight as we close. Uh, we had a, <coughs> the Rayleighs uh, were here at church. And uh, Brother Rayleigh. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.